build up. So while I uh, talk about the food ministry here for a minute, um, I would like for you guys to um, think about how you are using whatever gift of encouragement you might have. Maybe that's really high for you, maybe that's not, um, but we all have different ways that we can encourage each other. So that's one part of your assignment is to be thinking about ways that you use your own encouragement gift. How are you an encourager? And then also I'd like for us to take time to share stories of how you have been encouraged. So I know um, two weeks ago when we did interviews, our interviews went the whole time and we didn't get any conversation from the class. So I want to try to have um, a conversation. Um, so I'm going to talk for maybe about 10 minutes and we'll use the last 15 minutes um, to hear your stories of encouragement. Okay, so be, be thinking about that, if you will. Um, okay, so let me tell you a little bit about uh, Otter Creek's food ministry. And if, if Annie gets... Uh, here's Annie. Hey, Annie. Perfect. No, you're fine. You're fine. So come on up and have a seat. So class, this is Annie Harvey. Annie leads our food ministry. And... Um, and it's, it really is one of the ministries that probably embodies the encouragement gift uh, the most. And so if you'll just tell us kind of what, what the ministry entails, how it works, just the mechanics of it, and then we'll sure. talk about some stories too. Sorry, I've been moving uh, partitions from room in the end last night. <laughs> Running all over the place. Um, so food ministry, it's, it's really quite simple. Um, it's all pretty much electronic. So when we realize that there is a food need, Eric and I communicate typically. And for the most part, we serve people who are not in a life group. Eric's done a really good job making sure everybody's plugged into a life group. And then we'll also help out if a life group is small or if it's just a larger need and it's going to be long term. Uh, so I just kind of coordinate a calendar work with whoever the family is we find out dates and all the good details that work and then I email it out to our list and I do call some people some people do not like electronic things so I do call some people um, and so it's really I we really just want to make it easy for the people who have volunteered so you get to look at this calendar you get to decide hey I'm not doing anything on Tuesday or my schedules light on Tuesday sure I can make a casserole and take it wherever. Um, but it's really more about just showing up. I mean, a lot of these people that we take meals to, they can manage, you know, I mean, or, or new babies, you know, someone can run out and they can go through a drive-thru and get their own meal. It's really just about somebody showing up and knocking on the door. Um, and especially with a lot of the needs we have, you just really never know where someone might be in their life. And then they see a friendly face, maybe a face they don't even know, but they get a chance to meet them. Um, so it's just—it's really rewarding, <clears throat> and it's been great for me because I have a crazy sense of urgency. And I think everything has to be done now, and so I get a little nervous if a calendar doesn't fill up right away. And I think like I have to be in control of that, like I have to do this, and so it's been a good way. Like I feel like. God's like reminding me, you don't, you know, you don't have to control everything. Like this is going to happen. It's going to be just fine. It'll fill up, um, and it also helps me really to stay focused on what's important. So I'm just as guilty as everyone else in life.
helps me remember like some of those things that I think I have to do immediately today aren't near as important as this in reaching out to a fellow brother or sister who might need some help. <coughs> Anything else you want me yeah, to hit that? That's right. Well, uh, a whole other component of this. So, uh, Annie's talking about, you know, if when we take, when we create calendars for people who are sick or just out of the hospital or have just had a baby. But a whole other side, a whole other component is uh, when we have funerals. Yes. Um, and so, you want to talk about that a little yeah. bit as well? So, in fact, we have a visitation right. today. I was right. just upstairs taking some things upstairs. Um, lots of times, it kind of varies. Sometimes we do a funeral meal, sometimes the family will want one. Often the family says we don't really need anything, it's fine. We still like to show up with something, so we typically always show up with some sort of finger food at the visitation. Again, just another sign of love. I mean, love is a verb. It's something you do, <coughs> and so this is just a good action to show. Um, for me personally, <laughs> I, I will never forget David Martin when, right, all on Martin? Um, when she passed away, I had just a crazy day that day planned. I was up early and I had some work meetings and I was in Nashville and people were bringing food here and leaving it and then I was going to take it over to the funeral home and it was that whole like logistical nightmare thing of how am I going to do all of these things I'm supposed to do today. <coughs> And I remember loading it all up, and there's so much food because when Otter Creek shows up, we show up. It's, it was really an outrageous amount of food. Enough to where I almost panicked because I was thinking, I'm one person and I don't have a cart. <laughs> like, what am I gonna do when I get to the funeral home? This is so crazy, I should've brought someone with me. Um, and of course I got it all in, and like I was a hot, sweaty mess, and I had never met David before. So I guess it could potentially be awkward, considering that I don't know everyone who goes here. But I talked to him and he was so overwhelmed with just, with the food, like with what people had done. I mean, he was crying and we had the longest conversation. I will never ever forget. I got back in the car and I remember thinking out of all the things that were so important that I had to get done today, this was not one that started out on the top of the list. But like that, it just really changed me. It, it helped me remember what's really important. I mean, he was going through something really hard at that time. And he was just so joyful. And he even said things like, um, you know, that they had been at Otter Creek for a really long time, but she had been sick and so they hadn't been as involved. You know, things happen when you get older and you have a, a spouse who isn't well. And he thought that they had been forgotten. He really, he was really surprised. Um, but I mean, if you talk to Fletcher, like Fletcher gives you, Fletcher Shirley, the whole resume of all the things that David had done and how just crucial he was to the history of Otter Creek. Um, but he was just, he was so overwhelmed. I mean, it was great. It was a really great feeling. So I, I don't really, I kind of get to experience that. But I mean, I didn't make all of that food. You know, those were good Otter Creek people who did that. So I do try to share those stories with the people who volunteer and who send food, just how touched people are when they get it. And, um, 
I'm convinced that the beauty of a church community, um, well, the beauty of a church is the community. And I think one of the very most important things that we do as a community is to bury our dead, is to love people when they're, when they're saying goodbye to loved ones. And, you know, none of us have, have, are isolated from that experience. We all share that experience in common because we're human. And we all have families and loved ones, so we all go through that. And so it's very, um, just, just beautiful when your church family can rally around you and do something as simple as give you a plate of potato salad. Right. Because, right. We, because we love you, you know, and that's, and that's just a human experience that I think is shared amongst all of us. Um, okay, so what I hear you saying then is you have to be a good cook to participate in this ministry. Right. Is that right? Wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that we've tried to be really diligent about saying, like, store-bought is fine. Like, people are, it's, it's the action. It's the action of the love. Um, obviously, there is a nutrient component in there, and it makes it easier for people. Um, but no, store-bought is fine. Uh, we, people have done gift cards before. I mean, you name it. We're a pretty creative bunch, so we've seen a lot of different things. Yeah. But, yeah, no, everything, any, anything and everything is welcome. So if people want to participate in this, they would just need to let you know, and you would put them on your email list? Yes. And so the way we kind of have it set up, everybody's a little bit different. Um, in the beginning, it seemed easiest if people would just choose a month or however many or more um, that they kind of wanted to be on call. But I try to be very careful in how I describe that because I think that that scares some people. Like, oh, the, I mean, you're going to have to... Know, make 10 different meals in one month or something like that. Um, so I just try, like, if you just know, like, May. May is a pretty good month for me. Just let me know if any food needs come up in May. Some people like to be emailed with all of them. Um, so typically we just say, like, pick a couple weeks, pick a month somewhere in there, and that's when we'll email you and let you know if there are any, any needs. Oftentimes, you know, a month will go by and there's, and there's nothing. So that's why I say sign up for more than one. <laughs> yeah, don't want to miss your, yeah. miss your chance. And I, I try to be a little bit protective of the volunteers. I try not to um, have the same people doing the same thing. I'm trying to prevent burnout. Um, and that's easy to do. Like the 80-20 rule seems to apply to most everything. You know, 80% of the people or 20% of, of the people are doing 80% of the work. Um, so it's kind of helped to move it around. That was a little feedback that we got at one point was yeah, that right. some people felt a little overworked. But again, so many people are in life groups now that it's a great kind of first line. Yeah, yeah. And of course, when the church meets those kinds of needs just organically through a life group or a, a group of friends or whatever, um, that's wonderful. Um, but what I love about how Annie leads this ministry is that it's kind of a standardization of, of food needs. So that way, um, if somebody gets out of the hospital, we don't say, oh, this is somebody who we all know and all love, and so we're gonna bring them food for you know, every five days a week for six weeks. And then there might be somebody else who's part of Otter Creek but may just not be as well known, and it's like we struggle to get three meals to their house. You know? So it really helps for Annie to kind of standardize that. And then certainly, if it's an ongoing thing, you know, we may set up a calendar for two weeks you know, to do six meals over two weeks, and then if they still have a need, well, we can extend that or go on. But 
um, that just kind of helps avoid some of those kind of those situations too. So that's yeah. really helpful. We're still humans. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Well, any other stories of of really neat um, encouragement interactions or, or things? They're that pretty much all along that same line. Um, I mean, Catherine Broadway is another perfect example right now, and most everyone in here, I'm sure, either knows or has seen her story online. But it it's it's neat. It's really neat to be on the side. It's, I, I don't know that the people. See her here this morning. Yeah, she's here. Uh, yes, I know. They just. <laughs> Um, I, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say about her. It's just, it's, it's been great for me. These people are changing me. I started doing this because I wanted to help and to give back and help someone else. And um, I feel a little selfish because I feel like I have gotten way more than maybe I've, I've given. So it, it's just really neat to be with people in a tough time in their life or in a happy time, you know, with the birth of a child. You get to share a lot of things, and, and you know, like Catherine and I email back and forth, and like I'm sure all 1,500 people in the church do with her. But um, it, it's really, it's great. It's it's definitely been life changing. Something that I just thought I was going to do because that's what I watched my mom and my grandmother do is run food all over town to someone who needed it. Um, there's definitely there's more to it, but it's still easy. Right. It's still easy. Right. Great. Okay. Any any questions for Annie? All right. And don't forget about Room in the Inn, too. I'll be back. Yeah. I'll be back to get you for Room in the Inn. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Annie. Appreciate it. Um, so one interesting thing about encouragement that I guess we didn't talk about last week, but was present in both of our interviews this morning, is that when you're an encourager, you oftentimes receive as much encouragement back. So whether you're at the nursing home at Summerfield, that's an encouraging experience. You know, sharing food with others is definitely an encouraging experience. So um, let's let's shift gears here. And so for the last 10 or 12 minutes together, um, I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, Y'all are certainly um, involved in various ministries, whether formal Otter Creek ministries or just um, in your circles of friends or in other interactions you might have. Certainly, you have seen the gift of encouragement at play. So, I'd love to hear, love to hear from y'all. Where have you seen encouragement? Can I read something? Um, I stink at reading nonfiction books, <coughs> but I bought um, uh, the lady who started um, uh, Thistle Farms, oh, Becca okay. Stevens, book The Snake Oil Salesman. Last time they were here for Christmas, you know, Christmas time. And I wanted to read this thing about um, food coming at a funeral. Her, her father was a, a little pastor of a small congregation, and she, she, her mother, they had four children, he was killed in a car accident. And she says, um, I saved it, because I think I've shared it with Deanna before. In the 60s, almost every casserole contained at least one can of Campbell's cream soup, fruit and mushroom soup, and crumbled chips or crackers to crisp the top. They were covered with tinfoil to retain their heat. The shiny aluminum sheets gave us a quick mirror image every time we opened the lid. The casseroles were also the incarnation of seasoned and often secret recipes passed down from sages in the ways of baking. In many ways, the casserole is a sacrament and tool of healing, an outward and visual sign of the inward and spiritual grace of friendship. 
The act of bringing a casserole to the scene of a tragedy, like all sacramental gifts, is profound and good for both the giver and the receiver. An abundance of love is felt in the exchange. The food picks up where our words fail us. If a printed prayer to go with the casserole existed, I think it would say something like, Gracious God, bless this family and keep them going through this stretch. Let them get some sleep and let their stomachs unknot long enough to, ease, to eat a bite of this casserole. Make sure they feel the time and energy I spent going to the store and getting all the ingredients and cooking and bringing this dish over here so that they will know I love them. Amen. This is the last little bit. Um, the prayers represented by the casseroles carried our family that day and in the weeks that followed. They reminded us that we were in this together and still within the reach of God's loving embrace. Regardless of what was unfolding that day, those casseroles were an assurance to my mother that we would still have plenty on our table and that people were watching out for us. I think that's really sweet about a casserole. Poppy chicken <laughs> means a lot. <laughs> yeah. I've always food my thing. That's the way I hurt your people. But I always say, if you don't know what else to do, take food. Mm -hmm. Because everybody's got to eat. And it's just one less thing they have to worry about or think about. You know, whether it be a sad time or a happy time or they're taking care of a sick parent or whatever, it's just one less thing they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. So it always helps. I like the idea of casserole being a sacrament. Yes. <laughs> being a tangible prayer. All right, well, what else? How else are you an encourager? Who's your Barnabas? We talked about that last week. Um, how have you been encouraged in your life? I think it's kind of weird that it is encouragement back to the yeah. person more than anything. Uh -huh. I worked with the youth for 18 years and then started working with the homeless in Telahoma. <coughs> um, I'm president of a homeless shelter there um, as a volunteer. It's just a house. We had a gentleman die under the bridge there, frozen to death, and there was a bunch of us got together, got a house donated, and we turned a three-bedroom house into a homeless shelter called the Shepherd of Hope. Our shepherd's house distance from the police. And for years, I went over on Saturday night, and I would detox young men from odd or simple things. And, and then I just, that's where I stayed. I would go spend the night. But I also would go over every day after work, and we had what was called the round, I called it the round table. You know, I would go by, and we had a rule they they could wander about during the day, but they had to eat dinner at the house in order to spend the night. Yeah. And we had three bed, we had two bedrooms, and then one, the garage was turned into a men's dorm, and the, we got the um, Eagle Scouts built us buck beds, you know, all that kind of and um, but we would sit and we would eat, and we and while we would eat, I would just say, okay, we're going to walk, go around the table, and we're going to say something that you feel blessed by, and then we're going to go around one time and just tell one thing that you need help with, and um, and then we're going to be positive for the night because you put 17 homeless people with different personalities, different mental issues, different struggles in their life into a 1,600 square foot house with one living room and go get along tonight after I left, you know, because we didn't have anyone stay there tonight. And um, it was amazing how many times when we went around the table, so many people said, 
you know, I just want you to know I was I was considering suicide before I found this place. And we let him stay there a long time, longer than we should. And um, but I had so many I would always holler, I love you guys. Be good when I walk out the door. I always told them I loved them all the time. And some of them were hard to love. I loved them, I didn't like them. And um, but one I had a guy in the house and I called him early on because he thought he was cute. And I said, that's what I remember him. I got to name, I can't remember his name. I remember him going around the table and he was last. And he looked at me and he was just wound up. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. He said, I just, I'm struggling. And I said, what are you struggling about? How you love me. He said, so for some reason, I believe it. I know you love me. But I struggle with that. I wouldn't love you. And they, and without doubt, somebody would speak up and say, yeah, we, we don't understand how you love us. And I just walked away. You know, I walked away all the time with encouragement. I walked away with my husband and with a lot of anger because they make me so mad that they don't take advantage of <coughs> We have one going today that's with him right now. Wow. 17 in the house, 18 in the house, 19 in the house. And we got him full scholarship to Montlow and a youth minister came and picked him up every day and took him to school because he had never driven and he took three years to get through Montlow. Three years to get his GED, three years to get through Montlow and he's at Navy David Lipscomb. His name is LeBron Hill. If any of y'all are at David Lipscomb, he would he just needs love, you know. And it's amazing how encouraged every year I stand on it's volunteer and I work a lot and I will say that I mean I'm always working and sometimes I just think I've got to give it up but every year at the end of the year when I look back on my year I am blessed I can't do it that's great that's beautiful it's a great story I love that you have a rule that you have to eat at eat dinner together um, that's a and you would be surprised how many of the young guys say well we're not used to eating like this. Uh-huh. You know, we can't force them to be involved in the prayers. You, right. know, you can come to the table after prayer. Right. You can we get one more five thousand dollar grant, but so you can't have a religious denomination. Right. But um, and they just they would go. We're not used to eating like this. We're used to cussing and drinking and people slapping each other and eating in front of the TV. We don't do that. Yeah. We try to teach them some normalcy. Right. You know, nothing else take a bath every day. <coughs> yeah, that in we itself. Life skills. Yeah. That's beautiful. I I think that's a great I mean that that'll preach. <laughs> As we say in the ministry business. Um, yeah, that's a great picture of a of a Eucharist meal. I, I would describe that. That's that's beautiful. And I love that you're eating at the table with them. And same thing at Room in the Inn. Um, if you participate in that, uh, you know, we serve a meal, but then we sit down at the tables with our guests and eat with them. And that's so drastically different than I've been, a, you know, worked at a soup kitchen before where you just part of the line and you're serving meal. And I think that's appreciated and it's a, it's a good gift of food, but it's, it's a different dynamic when you sit at a table with someone and, and break bread with them. So thanks for, thanks for sharing that. That's really neat. Um, what else? Any, anybody else have a story of encouragement that you've experienced, benefited from? 
there are times like, suppose you're a long school teacher, and I teach at a school that's mostly immigrants and refugees. And uh, kind of joke, you might be laughing because you think about quitting every year. I've been teaching for 10 years, and I think I've been, I've been complaining about quitting for four years. Every year I think, well, I'm like, I'm so tired of this, I can't do this anymore. And so, but it just reminded me, sitting at the table, it reminds me of uh, like the, a lot of the, the refugee parents. Um, they always want, like, they, I don't understand this because it's definitely not the culture we have in America, but it's like an honor if the teacher comes into their house because of the culture they have or whatever. So I'm always getting invited to go to kids' houses to eat or whatever. And some I can go, you know, like, as a single male, I feel weird. Like, I always want, like, I always try to take a female teacher or another male teacher with me just because I feel like it's the smarter thing to do. But uh, it's fun going in there because a lot of them don't, like, you'll have a seven or eight person family living in, you know, one apartment's about as big as this room. And, uh, but when you go in there, it's like they have these, like, some, somehow gotten tables to put in there, and they have this, like, whole spread, and you feel like you just walked into, like, some kind of, I don't know, party or something, and doing it. So it's like, it's just that kind of stuff that, you know, anybody likes feeling um, appreciated, I guess. And so you, that, I think that's what keeps me in teaching is that just knowing that as much as I get frustrated with the kids and the administration and the new, Whoever's president, whoever's governor, whoever's mayor, and all their rules and all that, you know, at the end of the day, I do it for the kids. And so it's like that that encourages me on a daily basis as far as like, you know, every year I think about quitting, all I have to do is get invited to somebody's house. I'm like, all right, one more. Year, I'll do, I'll do <laughs> that sustains you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great. So. That's great. Well, you know, I'll, I'll say, I just totally didn't think about, as we were talking about encouragement, I just never thought about. The aspect that we're all describing that as you are an encourager you receive that back tenfold and so um, there's definitely benefit to trying to be like that so uh, we're, we're out of time I will just uh, kind of with the last word say this um, if, if it's not easy for you to think of ways that you are being an encourager if those don't leap to the forefront of your mind then I would give us the challenge to say, how, how can we do that? And that may or may not be in the food ministry or at Room in the Inn or at Summerfield, but there are ways, maybe in your vocation, teaching vocation, there are ways to be an encourager of others. So I would encourage us all to, to figure out how to do that. Were you going to say something? Okay. All right. Well, we will wrap it up. Thank you for being here. Um, next week we'll go ahead and look at a couple of other gifts. I don't remember. Three gifts next week. And knowledge. All right, so maybe a little bit left brains next week. All right, see you next Sunday. Thanks. Thank you.